0: She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad her husband mad. she just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad.
1: Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Welcome to episode four. I'm so excited to be recording because I've had a great couple of weeks. Thank you so much to everyone who left really kind comments on the blog and everyone who sent me Ravelry messages. It was so nice to hear from everyone. And thank you, thank you, thank you to those who sent me stories to share on future podcasts. I'm so excited about that. Also, I've had a great couple of weeks because I was able to score an interview with a knitwear designer which I will be sharing later on in the podcast. But first, I'd like to give you an update about my knitting. As I had previously mentioned in Episode 3, I did participate in the RAV Olympics and won. Thank you, thank you. This is just such a surprise. I didn't have anything prepared, but I just want to say thank you to my parents for always believing in me and for the... Lush and lacy sweater cardigan pattern. It was such a joy to knit, and... Wait, wait, what? What? I... You mean, I didn't win anything? I... You mean I did the Rev Olympics for nothing? I... I don't... I don't get a medal? But where's my medal? Well, maybe I didn't win, but I succeeded. I finished my sweater in time. And I believe I finished it early, yeah. So I think I knit my Lush and Lacey cardigan in 15 days, which I was kind of proud of myself for. It's not like it was a hard pattern or anything, but it is really cool to be able to, in 15 days, turn a pile of yarn into a sweater. And it turned out great. I think it's maybe my most favorite project that I've knit. I love the color, I love the style, it fits well, it turned out really cute. I also really enjoyed knitting it. The pattern was written really well. I don't think I remember finding any errors, which is kind of uncommon with patterns. Usually I find one mistake, at least. So it was a joy to knit, really fun, and obviously it was fast. So after the cardigan, it was my intention to begin my Winter Wonderland coat. But that hasn't quite worked out. You see, I had an air in judgment about the yarn that I chose. I think in episode 2 I went on a rant about how much I love Cascade Venezia, and it's just a beautiful yarn. And I love the yarn so much that I was hoping that it would be work out appropriately for my coat, but I think that I just wanted it to so badly that I kind of made myself believe that it would be the correct yarn, but really the gauge is not quite right. I got gauge and everything on the Cascade Venezia, but the stitches were just too loose, and I don't think... I think I needed a more structured fabric for that coat because it is so big, and I didn't want the weight of the coat to drag the stitches down, and, and also I think it'd turn out too flimsy, and anyway, so... Forget that idea. So I'm not going to be using the Cascade Venezia that I ordered for that coat. And I believe I'm going to swatch with the regular Cascade Venezia. See, what I was using before was the Venezia worsted, but there's actually a thicker version out on the market. So I'm going to get my hands on that and swatch that up and see if I get a better fabric with that. So because I wasn't able to start on my Winter Wonderland coat, I took a look at the projects that I had on the needles, which I wasn't too excited about. I still am working on my dad's sweater, which I am doing slowly but surely, just in the car and so forth, but that is actually coming along pretty well, but it's not the type of project that I'd want to just sit down and knit all the time and get it done right away because it's a lot of ribbing and it's, it's just not that exciting to work on. So I didn't really want to work on that. And then those evening stockings were kind of bumming me out because they were too short, so I didn't want to pick those up. So I just was itching to start something new. About a month ago now, a customer had come into the store during the time that I was knitting these dolls for my daughter. And you can find these dolls on my blog. They're the Knitted Babes pattern out of the book by Claire Garland. And they're these really cute dolls that have long spindly arms and legs and felt faces. And I was making these dolls and a customer came in and she fell in love with the dolls and bought another book by Claire Garland that we have at the shop called Dream Toys. And so about a week and a half later, she comes back in the shop and she had knitted up some dolls for her granddaughter. And she had also made this adorable horse out of that book. I saw that horse and immediately fell in love I thought to myself, my daughter has to have this horse. My daughter, she needs this horse. In fact, I have to make her this horse right now. So I bought the yarn, and I was really excited, but I knew I couldn't start it right away. So I put it in a bag next to the couch. And ever since then, that horse has just been calling to me. it was just begging to be knit. So I knew that that was my next project that I wanted to get out of the way. And I knit that horse pretty quickly, in just a few days, and not really by choice. You see, I made the mistake of telling my two-year-old daughter that I was knitting her a horse the night after I started it, so I only had a few inches done, and then I told her that I was making her this horse, and I showed her the picture, and as any mother knows, you never, ever, ever do that. It's like telling a toddler that you're going to go to the park and get an ice cream cone tomorrow. It does not work out. So my daughter was just constantly badgering me about this horse. Mommy, Mommy, are you making my horse? Mommy, where's my horse? Mama, make me horse. So that made me knit this horse very fast. I just kept working on it and working on it, and I got it done. In fact, it was really funny because one night, in the middle of me working on it, I had set my daughter to bed. It's late at night. I pass by her room, and I hear this little voice coming from her room. Mommy. Mommy. Mom. I open the door. What? She says,
0: You make me horse, please.
1: Needless to say, she was horse obsessed. So, a few days later, I just stayed up really late one night and finished the horse. And the next day, she was so excited. You
0: made it for me. He's so cute. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You make her horse a yard. I like it.
1: (laughs) It was so worth it. It's so nice to be able to knit something for someone who's so excited to receive it as a gift. And the horse is too cute. It has these big knobby knees and this long mohair mane. It's really adorable. I'm posting pictures on my blog, so be sure to go check it out. It has so much character. It's such a cute pattern. And that pattern is out of the book dream toys, which I'll be putting a link to in the show notes. So I guess I've actually finished two projects since I last spoke with you, a sweater and the horse, and since I can't start the Winter Wonderland coat right away, because I'm still waiting to get the yarn to swatch with, I think I'm going to quickly make the scarf out of my new book I just got, Closely Knit by Hannah Fettig. It's this really cute scarf, it's called the Lace-Tipped Striped Scarf. And it's a really cute striped pattern made out of a DK weight yarn and Rowan kid silk haze, striped every two rows, and which produces a really pretty effect. And then it has a little lace pattern at the bottom of the scarf. And I really like it, so I think I'm going to be knitting that up next. In fact, I might start that tonight, and we'll hopefully be posting pictures soon. So last episode, I had announced a drawing. I had mentioned that whoever left a comment under the show notes for Episode 3 on my blog telling me their first sweater story would be entered to win either the new issue of Vogue or Interweave. The winner got to choose which magazine they'd like to receive. Well I got a lot of participation and it was so fun to read through your comments. And now I'd like to announce the winner of the drawing. I entered all the comments into the random number generator and the winner is, drumroll please, Beverly. And you wanted the Vogue magazine, so I will be sending that on over to you. Unfortunately, I don't have your email address or I don't know your Ravelry ID, so if you could please email me at NeverNotKnitting at gmail.com and we can get in touch, and I'll get this magazine sent out to you. Congratulations! Now, I had also mentioned in Episode 3 that the remaining magazine that wasn't selected by the winner, in this case Interweave, would be awarded to the listener who left me the most interesting comment. Now, I've been agonizing over this. All the comments are interesting, and these stories are so funny. I couldn't just choose one. And I felt terrible about choosing one over another, because they were all very good, and I appreciated them all very much. So I decided to not choose, and I entered all the comments that told me a story into the random number generator again. And the listener that won is... Wolf. Thank you very much. Your story was great. Congratulations. I'll be in touch. I will send you either the Interweave magazine, or if you already have it, I'll be happy to send you a copy of my newest sock pattern. I loved everybody's stories so much that I'd really like to share them with you on the podcast. So here it goes. So Bean's sweater story is, I have not knit a sweater for me. The only sweater I've knit was for a baby and that does not count. I am new to knitting. The sweater I made was a baby pinwheel sweater for my soon to be niece. Now I had never knit a sweater, done a yarn over, changed colors, or knit on DPNs. I had never knit a sleeve or had to cast off a part and join a sleeve. I am new at this. Do you think I would choose a pattern on straight needles or a simple stockinette sweater? No. I like a challenge. I ripped it out four times. I would forget a yarn over or put it in at the wrong place. I had to hide it while I was knitting. I see my sister daily and I knit when I'm at my mom's house. It was very hard. I don't have anyone to help. I'm the only knitter I know that does not just knit scarves. I made it. It is nice and I like the results, but I hate the feel. The yarn I used is a bit scratchy. Well when it was made into a garment, it changed into a scratchy sweater. I have pictures of it on my blog, and it fits both my then six-month-old and four-year-old. I may re-knit it, as I found out she suddenly does not like hand-knit things as they fall apart when washed. So not true. Jennifer's story is, I learned to knit by knitting a sweater for myself. Crazy, I know. I was taught by a yarn store in San Francisco, and I think they wanted to sell me and the other students in their beginning class as much yarn as they could. So we all knit sweaters for ourselves. This was in the early 1990s, and I didn't know this wasn't normal. I chose a basket weave turtleneck and some expensively soft brown. You can see pictures at my Ravelry page. The sweater came out fine, especially considering it was my first ever project, and I have no fear of knitting anything as a result. Omly says, My first baby sweater was a gift for my stepbrother's baby. Yes, I knew the mother was a gap baby sort of person, But this baby was family, and every family baby, and since then many friends babies, deserve something handmade. Knowing the recipient though, I did make sure that the yarn was washable. Since I didn't want to be responsible for dressing him in something flammable, I sprung for a super wash wool at my local yarn shop. It wasn't the cheapest option, but I wanted it to be something that might actually be used. Did I mention how much of a beginner I was? I think that this was only my second or third project, so I didn't notice anything amiss at first when I went through all the yarn called for for the smallest size, and then had to go purchase another skein not once, but two more times. I finished it and compared it with the picture on the pattern. I had to admit it looked a little squat, and the knit purl pattern didn't stand out quite as much as I had expected. It was a bit dense, sort of like tiny baby bulletproof armor? It turns out that I had twisted every knit stitch in the garment, though I didn't know that until later. Needless to say, the mom was not impressed and quickly shoved it back in the bag at the baby shower without even showing it. But what about my first full-size sweater? Never afraid to jump in with both feet, it was Rogue, which I additionally challenged myself to accomplish in a month. I did it too and it's still one of my favorite sweaters. Kate's sweater story is I learned to knit when I was five years old. My older cousin taught me. I was very good at making blankets for Barbie dolls. My first sweater was knitted many years later when I was eighteen, and it was a fisherman knit. It came out huge can you say gauge? And I took in the excess yardage on my sewing machine. It was a acrylic yarn, and I still have it, though I cannot fit into it. Sigh. It was worn a lot, but it still looks great. No errors in the knitting just gauge incompetence fairy circles first sweater story is let's see my first sweater was about four years ago maybe it was when I first learned to knit I knew the knit stitch and the purl stitch and how to increase and decrease so how hard could it be really that is what I thought I mean I had made scarves and several washcloths I could do this so I found a pattern that I liked a simple cardigan but did I read the directions first? Nope, just how much yarn I would need and off I went. I didn't even look at the picture that well because if I had, I would have noticed that it was it was a three quarter length sleeve and stopped right at the waist. Not the best look for a fluffy girl as myself. So I knit away happily thinking to myself, self, this is a piece of cake. Yeah, I know and everyone said this would be so hard. Sheesh, what pansies they all are. As I got to where I'm supposed to start the arm shaping and noticed that it looked a little bit too short for my taste, did I stop? Nope, not me. I know best. After all, I know how to do the knit stitch, the purl stitch, well, you get what I mean. So on I went. I made the back and the two fronts and started on the sleeves. This is where I finally noticed the sleeves were three-quarter length sleeves. But you don't like three-quarter length sleeves, said self to self. I know, I know, I'll just make them longer. I mean, how hard can it be? Just a few more rows, and there, you have it. The sleeves came out too big for the armhole openings, but that didn't stop me either. I made them fit. So they have some puckers. They just look like slightly puffed sleeves. I did the button band and the buttonhole band and finished. Horrible. Hate it. Never worn it. Never put buttons on it. It just sits in my drawer as a reminder to self to read the patterns first before starting. And does self listen to self? Nope. Made another sweater, but that's another story. Knit Wolf says, Did a baby sweater first. It turned out so narrow, it looked like it was for an anorexic baby with monkey arms. Not to be daunted by that experience, I chose to knit a sweater for me. It's made in an ugly mustard yellow. Have no idea what possessed me to use this color because it resembles barf, but I got all the parts knit. Went to seam it, and one side was longer than the other. I forgot to change back to the smaller needles after the shaping area. Rip it, rip it, redid it, and then the seaming. I hate seaming. I cried and cried over this, took it to the lady who taught me to knit. She knits so fast, it's like watching lightning strike. Finally, it got finished. I entered it in our fair and won first prize, but I've never worn it. I can't stand to even look at it. It's in a box tucked away with its blue ribbon. Odd knits sweater story is as for my first sweater, it was the Barocco pattern, a very basic sleeveless crew neck. My class had a great teacher who made a swatch right from the start, so the sweater fit nicely once it was done. So far, so good. Being made out of Barocco Zodiac yarn, though, it had a lot of vibrant colors and some shine to it. I felt like it was kind of silly looking. I wore it proudly around the house, but was too self-conscious to wear it in public. So guess what I was wearing when I fell down in our house and broke my foot. Yes, the silly sweater. Here I was writhing in pain from the broken bones and I made my husband take my sweater off me and put on something else. All I could think of was, if that doctor sees me in this goofy sweater, he's not gonna take me seriously. I haven't worn it since. Thank you to everyone who shared your story. They were so entertaining and I really enjoyed reading them. I really appreciate your participation in the podcast. And now we come to the most exciting part of this episode. A few nights ago, I had the privilege of interviewing Hannah Fettig, the author of and designer behind the new book Closely Knit. Even though this book was released a few months ago now, We just received it into the shop, and I was immediately drawn to it. And since Hannah is a friend of a friend of a friend, I decided to contact her and ask her to join me for episode four. I had never interviewed a designer before, much less even talked to one, so this looming interview was making me a nervous wreck. Fortunately, however, Hannah is very kind, open, and very easy to talk to. much Hannah for being part of the podcast. Um, I love your new book Closely Knit and I'm just so excited to talk about it with you. Thank you. I'm so
2: excited to be on your podcast.
1: Thanks. Well let's just start at the beginning. Do you mind telling the listeners how you even began? Like how did you learn how to knit?
2: Yeah, um, my grandmother is a big crafter and um, so of course that influenced um, my mom, and so I just grew up around people who were crafters, and um, my grandmother classifies things two ways. She says things are either terrible or wonderful, and knitting fell under the wonderful category, and um, so she just influenced me in a positive way about knitting and, of course, taught me how to knit, and then um, it wasn't really, though, until, like... And how um, old
1: were you when she taught you?
2: I don't even remember, I don't remember the specific time when it happened, Mm -hmm. but probably like 10 or something. Oh, wow. And then I always just kind of knew how to do it, but I didn't really ever do anything with it until I was in my early 20s. I just started puttering with it again. Mm -hmm. And then um, I I really took off when I started working for my local yarn shop. Um, It's kind of like I discovered all the things you could do with knitting. I didn't even realize because my grandmother always just makes like square shaped sweaters. Oh. And... uh, (laughs) So that's when I really kind of took off with knitting, and that was within the last five years.
1: Oh, neat. Yeah. Wow. So you've learned a long time ago, but you've only been really knitting for about five years?
2: Yeah, I would definitely say that's true.
1: Oh my goodness. Okay. So, Hannah, how did you go about getting this book published?
2: I never pictured that I would would write a knitting book. Um, The way that it happened is that there is a yarn mill that started here in Portland called The Fiber Company and um, Daphne and Ian asked me to go to TNNA um, in 2006, um, January of 2006, to help them in their booth, kind of last minute, and before that I had um, kind of just as a fun thing designed a few patterns with their yarn and they um, had some of those pieces with them at TNNA while I was there with them. And so this um, woman, Jessica Gordon, um, came into the booth and saw some of the things I had made and we met and she told me that she was an editor and asked um, if i had ever thought about um, writing a knitting book and I was completely shocked. I said, no, I hadn't. And um, somehow we exchanged information and um, when, when I got back home, I had an email from her and it's kind of funny because I actually didn't write her back because I just thought like she doesn't even know like who she's talking to like I totally am not qualified to do something like that uh-huh. and then like a month later she wrote me again and something about that email um, made me reply and we just ended up having this exchange and really hit it off and she pitched me the idea of the book that ended up being closely knit that was um, the concept was her idea and uh, I, I really liked the idea and so we ended up developing um, kinda with the same sensibilities the patterns and then um, proposed it. I guess we should maybe mention the concept of the book. It was helpful to have that kind of um, in place as I designed because it just made the process that much more enjoyable and that much easier. Um, The concept is that um, the chapters are um, divided up into who the gifts are for. So there's Mm -hmm. mothers, daughters, sisters, men in our lives, we ones, and friends. Mm -hmm. And then Um, Within those chapters, there's about six projects, and so as I was designing, I was able to just focus on one chapter at a time and think about that person and who that person is in my life and the kinds of things I would want to make for them, and also to think about the knitting books um, that I have and the books I plan on keeping because they have projects in them that are kind of timeless and... um, And have a variety of projects that you can picture yourself making, you know, a lot of the projects in the book. And so it has a a longer shelf life. So Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um, those are all things that I kept in mind and and I guess are the reasons that there are the variety of projects that you see.
1: Well, I think you definitely accomplished that with your book. It's really really well laid out. It's very nice. I enjoy it a lot. And the photography is amazing, by the way. The cover is beautiful. The yeah, they did a awesome. really
2: great job. They did a really great job. I was really pleased.
1: Yeah, very nice.
2: Through all the process up until it, it coming out in March, it, it's been, I just can't believe that it has happened because I, I never did picture that it is something that would happen.
1: Wow, how neat. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I noticed that was really cool about your book is that it has so much variety. It's, it's really not that often that you see a book that has so many different types of patterns in it, and I just thought it was really cool. I was going through and I think I counted correctly. Do you have 34 designs in your book? Sounds about right. Yeah, I thought that was really neat and it was cool. And I'll just tell the listeners if they've never seen your book before what they can expect to find in it because it's really amazing just how many different types of projects there is in it. So in Closely Knit, you'll find a pattern for a pin cushion, a picture frame, two different pillows, four different scarves, um, a man's scarf and women's scarves, three different sweaters, a woman's cardigan, a man's pullover sweater, and a baby cardigan. That's really cute, by the way. I love that, and I, unfortunately, my daughter is too big for it, but it's so cute. <laughs>
2: uh, well, maybe we can size it up for you. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, please. And then three, three pairs of socks. You've got two women's socks patterns, and then one man's sock pattern, which is nice because, you know, there isn't a lot of men's sock patterns out there.
2: My yeah, people have said that, and since it's come out, I've mentioned how they're appreciative of that pattern, so I'm glad.
1: Yeah, definitely. And then I counted, I hope I'm counting these right, but I counted five different hats, um, a baby hat, uh, women's hats, and some men's hats. And mm-hmm. then one really cute stuffed bear, one top, the one that I really like out of the alpaca, A wall hanging, which you don't see every day, (laughs) two different blankets, one skirt pattern, knitted juggling balls, I haven't seen that before, but those are so cute, two vests, one is the kangaroo vest, and then um, an adult, a man's vest, and then Mm -hmm. two pairs of mittens, one baby and then one adult, baby pants, so cute, a heart pin, and is that heart pin available, that pattern available on your blog too, Hannah?
2: It is. It's available for free download. Um, FNW and I um, decided together to make that available um, to the public if they just wanted to uh, download that and enjoy knitting that up. So that is available on my blog.
1: Yeah, really cute. Looks like, I think you said what, in less than an hour you can make it?
2: Yeah, not even, I mean half an hour really.
1: Yeah, really cute. I was thinking that would be really cute, maybe to put on like a handmade card or something, just like a little accent. So yeah. i plan on making that too. And then you've got a well, really cool purse and also a bath mat. I mean, where do you, <laughs> you never find all of these things in one book. That's so awesome. Well, it's so fun to
2: hear you list them off like that because I'm like, wow, that does sound really good. Yeah. It's
1: a lot. That's a lot of patterns. And they're just, there's so many. I mean, you never find a book that has like a bath mat yeah. and a stuffed bear and a sweater. Right. Like that's, that's yeah. crazy. That's awesome. Well, how long did it take you to design all of these patterns? It seems like that's such a long process. How, did, how long did it take?
2: It is a long process, um, and yet in some ways it almost seems not long enough when you're getting down to the end. Um, I, we started officially in August of 2006 when I signed the contract, and um, the, most of the pieces were in mind at that point, but they needed to be designed and made up, of course, and so I had about a year to do that and then to get the, the pieces in and, and the manuscripts. Um, and so, and then beyond that, there was a waiting period, and then in March it came out, March of this year.
1: So did you have to put yourself on a schedule, or did you did you just, I would be afraid that I would procrastinate, and then wait. Yeah,
2: I definitely did. <laughs> I'm a big procrastinator anyway, and I just didn't know the process yet
1: uh-huh. of
2: how the whole thing flows. And um, so I honestly didn't budget my time very well, but... I know about myself that I actually do work really well under pressure, so hmm. I do feel like some of my best pieces actually came out of the last month because I was so like,
1: because you had to, to do it.
2: Yeah, I was so in the zone and um, whatever, but yeah, it was it was definitely kind of crazy there towards
1: the end. Yeah, I bet, I bet. Well, how many items in the book did you knit, and how many were knit by other people, or did you knit them all yourself?
2: Uh, this for this book, I did end up um, farming out some of the knitting. Um, And I guess I would say that for future books, I I would budget my time better and try to not do that only because, um, you know, you give something away when you do that because a lot of the designing does happen when it's in your hands. Um, But I did find myself designing a a few of the basic pieces or some of the scarves. I did farm out the knitting um, to Mm -hmm. members of my aunt's um, knitting guild, the Harvard, um, uh, Harvard, Massachusetts Knitting Guild super oh. sweet people and they were so nice to do that um, and some yeah. of the socks too um, mm-hmm. some great ladies that helped me out with that but and so that was probably about 10 of the projects but the rest I did knit myself and um, and necessarily so because you know I ended up doing a lot of knitting and ripping and <laughs> so right. on as we all do. Yeah.
1: I could see that How, yeah. how funny. <laughs> what would you say is the hardest thing about designing the designing for the book and designing in general yeah uh, I would
2: say two things um, first of all uh, you know sometimes you know we talk about budgeting our time you could budget your time but sometimes you're just not feeling it Yes. <laughs> and then yet you feel your, the pressure um, to come up with an idea and, and sometimes it's just not coming so that can be kind of frustrating sometimes Right. Um, and then the second thing is just the fact that the process takes so long mm-hmm. that you can have a design in mind and be so psyched about a certain outcome and and knit it out uh, to a certain point and then realize it's not working and I have to rip it out and go back and it you know if it was sewing it would be so much faster to get to that point and realize oh this is actually isn't going to work but right. and we all know with knitting the process is just is longer. So um, that, that can be challenging. I guess the time involved sometimes can, can be challenging.
1: Yeah, definitely. Did, were there some designs that you thought you were going to have for the book, but that didn't end up making it in there?
2: Yes, there definitely were. And um, I, I, several of them <laughs> ended up being projects that required a lot of knitting and projects that I had farmed the knitting out. Oh, and, no. uh, and of course, both to people I was related to. And um, oh. I had to have the lovely conversation of saying, thank you so much for knitting that thing. But that by I the way,
1: it's not going to be in the I, book.
2: <laughs> I totally hate it, and we're not going to include it in the book. Not because it was their <laughs> fault. It was totally my fault. Oh. But, uh, yes, that did happen. And, um, I, you know, for that to be the only few casualties, that that's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. There also was, uh, um, I think there might be photographs uh, actually, maybe not. I can't remember if there's photographs of it on my blog or not, but um, m- my original intention was to make... Um, I did make a one stuffed animal. I, was, I wanted to make two. I um, uh-huh. had designed this kangaroo. Oh, was cute. Well, it sounded like such a great idea, and I, I, it was. It did not come out well at all. Oh. And so he ended up uh, being beheaded and <laughs> <laughs> thrown to the side. But I did end up, um, in, in the last... Because that was in that last month and I was kind of panicking because I was like, this little guy is just not going to work out. And uh-huh. um, I ended up doing the kangaroo vest, which is in the book, and that ended up right. being one of my favorite pieces. So oh, I just had to think two-dimensionally instead of three-dimensionally.
1: <laughs> well, that's a perfect segue into the next questions I want to ask you. I know what my favorites are in the book. Um, I just cued the laced, um, what is it, the lace laced-tipped striped scarf. Yeah, I, really I like
2: actually that really. noticed
1: that. Yeah, yeah because we're <laughs> friends on Ravelry, right. But um, I, I thought that was really nice because I, I love Roan um, Kids LKs. and so mm-hmm. I love the way that you can blend it with other yarns, and I just think yeah. it looks really pretty. So that design really appealed to me. But, and I love also the cap-sleeved eyelet top, so I'd really like yeah. to make that. Yeah, um, thanks. But what is – so is the kangaroo vest, is that your favorite design in the whole book?
2: Well, it's funny because if you read different interviews with me, you'll find that when I'm asked that question, I always say a different one,
1: oh.
2: <laughs> a different piece. So, um, I because I think several of them are you know pretty near and dear to my heart. But right. um, I think I my my favorite project is the pinwheel pillow in the sisters chapter yes. because I'm just really pleased with. The um, From the idea to my execution, it was exactly what I wanted it to be, and I'm super pleased with the way that it's all with short rows, and you can make it in one piece, mm-hmm. um, the, the front and the back pieces, and then you join it with the cable. Um, and I've noticed people making it on Ravelry, and it seems to be working, which is great. Um, so I have to say that I'm really excited about that piece. Um, but also, one of the first pieces I made, and I had made before the book um, even came um, to be was that scarf that you're talking about making. I love that scarf, um, and I love because I love that combination of the Kid Salt K's with the um, Fiber Company's Chroma. Uh-huh. And I actually also um, just designed a vest using that same combination, and it's on my blog knitbot.com for download because um, yes, it I just has it. the great, yeah, <laughs> Very nice and the best um, texture, like the combination of those two yarns, knit um, two rows Kid Salt K's, two rows of the. Um, the Chroma, which is a DK weight alpaca blend.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so yeah, um, I, I really like that scarf and I'm excited to see how yours comes out.
1: Yeah, I we don't have um, any of the fiber company's yarns at the yarn shop that I work at. And yeah. I haven't seen it around in this area, which I'm kind of bummed. It sounds like a, a really pretty yarn co- I mean I always hear good things about that yarn company
2: yeah but it's, I'm, it's very special
1: <laughs> yes yes um but I'm I'm just going to use another DK weight yarn and I think it'll be pretty I'm choosing like gold, totally. gold and green together so I think that that'll be cool. really pretty for the fall so Hannah I have to ask you I want to know about your personal knitting if that's okay sure <laughs> yeah so do you what projects are on the needles for you right now
2: um, well, as many knitters, I um, did participate in the Ravel Olympics uh-huh. and um, I was slightly unsuccessful in that I did not complete my project by closing ceremonies. However, I um, was one sleeve away, and for me, that's pretty good, because I'm usually pretty scatterbrained and have quite a few projects going at the same time, and I really forced myself to only work on that project, aside from a sewing project, um, mm-hmm. during that time period. So. Um, for that project, I did the um, gathered pullover um, from the 2007 winter interweave knits, uh-huh. and um, I totally love it. It's with on um, the Garn Studio alpaca, mm-hmm. um, which is a DK sport weight alpaca, and um, so yeah, that hopefully is going to be uh, finishing up this week. And I have three other sweaters that um, I actually, I posted about them pretty recently on my blog. And um, if you want to see pictures of them, I have a Rebecca sweater and a Rowan sweater and then a sweater of my own design that are all probably 75% done. And I really want to buckle down and um, finish them so I can wear them for fall. And um, also because I am just coming into um, some major projects that I need to kind of put aside personal knitting for. So um, my goal is to get these sweaters wrapped up, (laughs) so probably by the end of September that would be a reasonable goal.
1: So what is your favorite thing to knit for personal knitting? Do you enjoy knitting sweaters the most, or do you like smaller projects, or what do you usually go for?
2: I usually go for big projects. Not that you would know it based on how many finished big projects (laughs) I have, but for some reason there's something about sweaters um that just really appeals to me Uh um but probably appeals to me too much because i just am constantly starting them starting them starting them Uh
1: um and and they take a while so it's hard to finish them
2: (laughs) you do but Mm. that's okay um but i am trying to get myself turned on to doing more accessories because it is exciting to be able to finish a project within a week or so and and have something to show for it so i did do um a craft fair um, last December here in Portland, Maine. Um, and I decided I was going to knit 30 hats to sell. Wow. And um, it was pretty ambitious. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think I actually only ended up making 20. But wow, that was really, really good. That was a good exercise for me because I kind of taste, you know, something to show for your time and something that's fun to wear too. Because in the end, I was so, had put my heart and soul into those. Um, hats that I charged a lot of money for them because I just felt like I did not want to sell them. (laughs) So I ended up having a lot of hats on hand, which is kind of fun because now I can just have a lot of hats to wear or give away. Yeah, definitely.
1: That's really cool. (laughs) So Hannah, do you have like, uh, you know how some knitters, they just start projects randomly and have like a million projects going and a million unfinished projects? Are you like that or do you like schedule like Do you say, like, okay, I'm going to have three works in progress, and then I have to finish this before I can start that? Where do you fit in as a knitter?
2: Well, I definitely am not a scheduled knitter. Uh, I've gotten better since the book because I had to be for the book, but Mm -hmm. um, I definitely have a lot of works in progress. Um, just recently I kind of did go through them and say, okay, this is never happening. So it's just got to be gone forever because I just can't (laughs) look at it anymore. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of whittled it down a little bit, but I probably still have, you know, 10 or 15 projects going right now, but I know there's people out there that have way more. I mean, I know that's not actually that high. I know there's people with a lot more, but, um, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe you're one of them.
1: <laughs> well, but, um, <laughs> let's not get into that, okay? <laughs> this is not about me. This is about you. <laughs> okay,
2: okay. <laughs> no, but I, because I so I will fill in at my local yarn shop and help um, the owner, Anna, out when I can. And mm-hmm. I'm amazed when somebody will come in and who is shopping, and they're just not. An impulse yarn buyer and are just like nope. I just came in to get this darning needle so that I can finish my one project, and that's all I can do. And um, I just I'm not like that. Anytime I go in a yarn shop, I'm buying a sweater's worth of yarn. Yeah. So
1: I feel the same. Yeah, and it's
2: it's probably more that I have so many projects waiting to start. I have I could just never leave my studio again and make like a hundred sweaters.
1: Well, I just feel like my life is not going to be like I need like five lifetimes to finish all the things that I have like yarn yeah, to yeah. make. It's just, it's just pathetic. I know. It's, it's such know. an addiction. But speaking of <laughs> yarn, I have to ask the question that everybody likes to hear about. If you had to estimate how much yarn, would you say that you have at your house right now? How, how much? Yes. Um, like if you had to count skeins.
2: Huh? Well, I'm looking at it right now and it's, I've, it's not too bad, it, it's all, I have one of those Ikea, um, is it, I don't know how you say it, expedite, expedite bookcases that's like four cubes by four cubes,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: I think half of the cubes are full of yarn. So that's not really wow. that bad, actually.
1: Wow, I was um, expecting that you'd have more. It seems like as a designer, know. you would just keep, ha- you would have like tons.
2: Well, actually, now that I say that, though, I, okay, take it back. That's the yarn that I have out that I'm looking at. I do actually have three bins in my closet that are full of yarn, too. (laughs) Um, Because this is, like, my fun personal yarn that I'm looking at right now. And then I have Uh bins. Because now that I um, am in in designing, yarn companies send you yarn, which is super fun. But you end up with all this. Yeah. um, Because they want you to try their yarns and and design with it. Um, But I have so many random skeins of yarn. um, And I... I want to hold on to them so that I can have them in mind for designing, but, yeah, I haven't quite figured out the best way to organize that yet, but,
1: yeah, yeah, no. I think it's not too bad, right? It's
2: not too bad. Yeah,
1: <laughs> no, no, I think it's, it's, you're totally in control, that's good. So what can we expect next from you? Are you working on any other design projects?
0: Um,
2: as a matter of fact, I just signed um, a second contract with my publisher, um, the Northlight Division of F&W Books. And I will be doing a follow-up book to Closely Knit. Um, oh, wow. It, cool. Yeah, so that's just happened, and um, that, which is why I was saying I need to finish up all those personal projects because now I've got to get, get down to work again. But um, it's um, scheduled to come out fall 2010, which sounds super far away, um, oh. but really not when you think about the amount of time that goes into the projects. Um, so it's going to be um, divided by season this time so there'll be a spring summer and a fall winter section and it will be hopefully a nice mix of projects again um, garments and some household items Um, and the focus is also going to be on again on including as many people as possible and this time um, with the garments um, because there will be more of them I'm going to really focus on having a wide range of sizes Um, so in, in for the children's um, garments they'll be sized from hopefully um, infant all the way up until a, a top size um, but hopefully an, an older size than um, certainly in closely knit but hopefully you know um, 10 we'll years be older than that Whatever size <laughs> yeah cool. seems like something that people really like to, to have and then of course women's and men's will be sized appropriately so that it includes everybody so. Um, in that way, hopefully it'll be another book that people enjoy keeping around for a long time.
1: Yeah. Sounds like it. That's great. Um, Hannah, how can the podcast listeners, where can they find your book?
2: Um, well, certainly it's available, um, by any of the major online booksellers, if that's how you prefer to buy your books, Mm -hmm. Amazon, Barnes and Noble. um, however you like to buy your books online but I totally encourage people to check in with their local yarn shops if you have one in your area and see um, if they are carrying the book because many of them are and um, hopefully that uh, you can support them in that way
1: mm-hmm. okay and um, and just to remind our listeners the book is called closely knit it's handmade gifts for the ones you love and you're on the web Hannah what is your blog address
2: knitbot.com mm-hmm. and um, from there you can link to uh, the other places I'm online of course Ravelry and some other places so um, you can find me there.
1: Okay and do you have an email address in case anybody would like to ask you a question?
2: I do it's uh, hannahfettig at gmail.com and I certainly encourage people to get in touch with me with any questions they have about the book or if they just want to send um, pictures along Um I I love to get that feedback, so please feel free to do that.
1: Okay, well, great. Well, it's been so nice chatting with you, Hannah. I really appreciate you you doing this. Yeah, Yeah, this is fun. Oh, great. Well, um, I hope to talk to you on Ravelry soon. Sounds good, Alana. Thanks. Okay, thank you. A link to Hannah's book and also her blog will be included in the show notes under Episode 4. Be sure to go check it out. Hannah also graciously signed a copy of her book that I will be giving away in another drawing to a Never Not Knitting podcast listener. If you'd like to enter to win a signed copy of Closely Knit, please go to my blog at nevernotknitting.com and leave a comment under the show notes for episode 4. I will enter all the comments into the random number generator and will be announcing the winner on the next episode. Also, for all of you that live locally who are interested in Hannah's book, Closely Knit, We are currently organizing a Closely Knit event with Hannah to be held at the shop sometime around September or October. I will announce the date and all the details in a future podcast episode. We also have several copies of Closely Knit coming in stock, so if you live locally, please come by the shop and take a look at this awesome book. And again, just to remind everyone, the show notes for this podcast can be found on my blog, and that's at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry, as Never Not Knitting, and if you'd like to email me, you can do so at knitting at gmail.com. Well, I guess that wraps up episode four. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you join me next time.
0: She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a from morning until she goes to bed. won't take the time to brush her teeth let's not even talk about her hair if it isn't about knitting she just doesn't really care she's never not knitting Bacon. Her husband, her husband mad. mad. Her husband mad. Stop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now it's just knit Nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters socks than they could ever wear there's yarn in the fridge in the cupboards the bathtub and pantry it's even in the washer and dryer that's why she can't do any laundry I need some clothes she's never not knitting it's making her husband mad the bad. I'm filing for divorce. She, she just won't stop her stitching. And the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project me finish up this row she's never not knitting and it's making her husband, mad. her husband mad she just won't stop her stitching and well she's losing all she had